up, people? I am Dylan Fox. Welcome to Wrestle Update. And I would like to proudly announce this was something that came through in the time even expected on the last episode. But I mentioned that I wanted to see how we would do the schedule. Originally, it was going to be based around Big Show. But the one told me, no, screw that crap, Dylan. You are not doing that. I've got what to say. I can't leave it like that. You are now my regular co-host, Nello De Andres. How are you doing? Woo! I'm doing well. Thank you again for having me. Uh, I'm I'm very excited. Like this is like I was saying before we hopped on. It's always been um, dream of mine to do a wrestling podcast. And yeah, it's it's just really cool how this has all happened and how seamless has been. As you said, handy glove. Um, so and yeah, love it right there. I'm ready to chop it up again. Uh, thank you. Uh, I couldn't even believe it on our SummerSlam episode. Uh, the user Golden Lover actually commented on our show and said how great it was. First of all, so thank you for that. I didn't even know you thank could leave you. comments on the podcast on uh, Cage Match, but somehow they did. <laughs> uh, you know, Golden Lover, he's outsmarted us all and said some very nice things. So we did appreciate that. Oh, well, with all of the, as well as all the other comments we get on the, the usual channels, I, we really appreciate it. And uh, Nello, definitely, uh, because there was an era where I was going through different people all the time. Real talk, though, they were like, just, they were in love with you, pretty much. Like, every, <laughs> everyone only said great comments uh, towards you, and I thought you were the best one, and I agree. So I'm very happy that you, you're here for it. And I hate <laughs> I hate that it's this particular week, because we have some crazy stuff to talk about, unfortunately, that you've jumped into. Uh, but we will say, too, this is something very, brand new. Uh, y'all saw the new logo I put up on the cage match, uh, the YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, this is not just the Dylan show. Uh, Nello is a big part of it. And his idea that he had, and we're going to do the show next week. Obviously, there'll be a show about All In. We've got Sandre Bjorn coming live from England, going to All In. We'll do something with that. But we are going to do our first ever GCW episode. Uh, that's right. Indie Wrestling is coming to Wrestle Update. Homecoming. Uh, I haven't watched a GCW show in years, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm going to be kind of a fresh face to this. I'm coming in with an open mind. I've historically been a little critical, maybe not the biggest fan, but Nello, you said, can we do GCW? I said, why do you even got to ask? Of course we will do GCW if you <laughs> want it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it next week, so everybody can keep your eyes peeled for that. So new, new stuff coming, like new era of Russell Update right now. Yeah, no, it should be fun. Like, uh Especially as someone who watches a lot more Japanese wrestling, I think it's a great uh, jump or jump in point just because, you know, you have the majority of the Freedoms crew there. You have Dragon Kid coming in, which is pretty wild. So lots of uh, diverse talent filling out the typical AEW roster. So, um, yeah, I watched night one last night, so I'm excited to talk about it next week. And we will. We will get to that next episode. Full coverage of Homecoming. Uh, So shout out to all the GCW wrestlers out there. Um, and for now, for this episode, though, we are going to get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about All In. It's hard to believe that it's only a week away now that now we're doing it, but these are the cards that AEW has dealt us, and we got some WWE stuff, too, WWE stuff, too, coming at the end of the show as well. We'll get into, uh, but for right now, let's talk about AEW, and I think the big news, there was two big outside news stories. Never mind the stuff. We're going to get into the shows a little bit. One of them coming from literally an hour away from me in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, where I live. But 
the big news are outside of the ring, and the first one we'll talk about is the one that actually has actual repercussions, perhaps. And that is, of course, one half of the World Tag Team Champions, Cash Wheeler, was arrested <laughs> this, this past week for aggravated assault with a firearm. He has been charged with this. There's all kinds of stuff going around, but I do have – I'm reading to you right now a some parts of the uh, police report uh, that was issued. This is courtesy of PW Insider, so shout out to them for their work. And I will read a little bit about what it says here and explain the incident in question according to how it's written, written up. We don't have the intimate details. I wasn't there, obviously. We only have what we are told, so I just want to put that out there right now. According to the victim, which is obviously the other member of this besides Wheeler, he provided a statement with a written verbal statement that said he was driving west on Interstate 4 north of Exit 83. He noticed a Jeep Gladiator, which is not as good as a Kia Soul, to <laughs> say the least. Uh, that, that's how you know he's a, he lost right right away. Yeah, he, he should have been on a motorbike. So. That's true. He it is not nearly as good as the ninja either, the Kawasaki. Uh, we yep. can all agree on that. But uh, he noticed him weaving in and out of traffic, cocking his horn, a typical douchebag driving behavior. Uh, so he moved over to the far right lane to let the Jeep pass. The victim said the Jeep took the right shoulder to drive around him on the passenger side of his vehicle. The victim looked over and noticed a white male with a beard pointing a black semi-automatic handgun out of the driver's side window at him with a strong stare. He said he feared for his life at this time. The victim stated he slowed down to get out of the way of the firearm and ended up behind the suspect vehicle at this point. At the time, both were committed to exit 83. He took pictures of the Jeep as it turned right and said that the Jeep bared a Florida tag. After taking the picture, he called 911 and gave the information to dispatch the details of what occurred. So with that said, after that happened, he was they were able to pick out – they did the typical lineup that you see in all kinds of shows and movies and stuff. <laughs> they mentioned there was this uh, Elvis database, which I'm not really that uh, – I don't know that much about law enforcement, to, to be honest with you, to fully understand. But they basically picked him out of a lineup. He picked him out right away, and it was him. So – there is there's some Twitter videos up of the arraignment or whatever of Wheeler, <laughs> and basically they said he's out on a bond of twenty five hundred dollars, which seems kind of low for this. I get I'm not a legal expert. I'm not an attorney. I'm not any kind of legal person uh, other than I, I technically reside here legally. <laughs> That's the only legal information I have to give. But they basically said a, a very low bond. And from the looks of it, he should be okay to go to all in because that is a big question mark of all of this. That will this legal dispute have uh, the ability to hamper his his attention to go there? But all I can say about it is I hope everything's okay with the victim. That sounds like a very scary situation that he went through uh, with the, this thing uh, that Wheeler irresponsibly and horribly did. Um, I hope for the best for the victim. And hopefully there is some justice to this, but it just feels like to me from what I'm reading, there was something where they he, they would have to apply for some kind of waiver of some sort for him to, to leave the country. And it seems like with AEW, I mean, Tony Khan and the backers and all of that, it seems like they probably worked it out already. And, and they already hyped him, actually, at FTR versus the Young Bucks. We'll talk about that match in particular a little bit later. But they hyped it on Rampage. They hyped it on Collision already, which took place after all of that. 
and uh, it looks like he'll be good to go, but a very terrifying situation from the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, cause you were like, it's a pretty low bond. And I was like, yeah. And then I did realize they're in Florida. So I imagine that this is a pretty typical offense there. Um, and um, God, I just, this is one of those things in wrestling when you wake up and it's like, I didn't want to deal with this today. Not to say like we have to deal with it, but it's just <laughs> fans. It's, it becomes exhausting, you know? And I know MJF put out that tweet or whatever saying, Oh, a bunch of people's privileges showing, but on the, the inverse, I, I want people to threaten people with guns. Exactly. What, what I'm like, he said, everyone's made a mistake and yeah, people make mistakes, but also people have to face consequences of their mistakes. And in terms of like making mistakes, I think there's a big difference between, you know, I guess I can't like just making a mistake and then threatening someone with a firearm. That's not like some oops, you know, like I hit this car on accident, rear-ended, I made a mistake. It's like, no, you're like threatening someone's life. And it's like, it's not even to say like this justifies it, but Cash was also the aggravator as well. So it sounds like he's all around the bad guy in this situation. Um, I I just finished watching Collision and I thought FTR was going to be on it to talk um, I'm not sure if they pulled them, but I, I was pretty excited for that. I thought it would be pretty funny um, just to hear the <laughs> fan reactions. Yeah, that uh, would be interesting, yes. Uh, the lineup for the police, would it would be funny if it was just Dax and Cash and the person couldn't tell the difference between, um, like, <laughs> like much of us originally, bald and hair. But no, it's just, it's a very frustrating situation. Like, personally, I don't think Cash deserves to go to England. Like, yeah. Obviously, this person who he affected like that is a traumatic situation to have to, quote unquote, slow down and get out of the uh, but the the line of the firearm. Uh, yeah, this isn't someone who should wrestle in front of 80,000 people. It sounds like it's someone who should be taken off the road for many reasons um, and do some anger management and mental health training, because, yeah, it's it's not about making mistakes and then going to London. It's about making mistakes and owning up to them and taking accountability. And if they get to go to London just for the, the young bucks to beat them and then cash disappears, um, it, it it's just, it's that same uh, double standards that we see for people like Jimmy Uso, right? In WWE where there's been repeated yeah. offenses and I think doing nothing definitely enables the situation and, you know, Putting it off for the sake of storyline, I just think sets an unhealthy precedent as well. So, yeah, FTR in the mud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you, to be honest. Um, I was looking it up, and they had said that it's reported that Cash was not asked to surrender his passport uh, at the hearing he was at, but he would have needed to file a request for a travel. Uh, international tra- travel. So that kind of lines what I was saying earlier. I just wanted to put that out there for sure. I mean, to me, I everybody who knows me knows I, I, you know, I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and North Memphis on top of it, uh, Fraser area. Gun violence is a, definitely a topic that hits real home, uh, real close to home for me. But for me, where I'm at, if somebody points, you know, like I said, I get it. I mean, I don't even want to speculate on what caused him to go so crazy and, and mad. But it could have been something small or, or whatever. He could have cut him off. I mean, who knows what char- made him snap like this or whatever. 
But all I know is, I don't care what the reason is, if you point a gun in my face, even while driving, you know, like that is like a fight or flight response. You know, <laughs> like you, you know, for, for you know, that, that's something if I was in that car, I probably would have tried to like my response would have been to try to run him off the road in all likelihood. If, if you're pointing a gun and threatening my life, then that's a very serious situation. Like you said, that's not something that you could just say, like, you know, if you just cut somebody off or whatever. Or even, like you said, even if you just bumped him in the back and rear-ended him, I mean, that's a terrible situation in and of itself. But this is not the kind of thing – you can't just pull a gun in somebody's face. Not, yeah. not where I'm from. That's not going to fly at all. And I think that's a – I was very surprised to see because the public response has been kind of half and half, uh, so to speak. Some people are, are making light of it, and some people are saying, you know, saying it's not a big deal. But it's like if you really break it down, like – you are threatening another person's life. When you point a gun in someone's face, you are threatening their life. No yeah, questions. what's your intention behind the action, right? Is it just to scare them? And if so, congratulations, you're a coward. And then if, like, Cash is like, oh, I can't get to pro wrestling tees and buy the CM Punk shirt fast enough, so now I'm going <laughs> to threaten this guy with a gun. And just just also, like, the, it's just a deeply American thing, right? The The news headline itself, as you read it, White man with a beard brands gun. <laughs> like it's just one of those things where in Florida, it's such a, yeah, it's such a deeply American thing. Imagine if we heard about this, you know, in regards to a wrestler in Japan or something. It'd be like, what the fuck? But this is unfortunately just a staple of society of our society to where mm-hmm. I think something like this is, you know, like you said, it's it's a split. It's like a split reaction as opposed to something like a speaking out or you know. Yeah. Other things that I think, you know, definitely are traumatizing events that threaten people's lives. So and what if he does this? Like I said, what if it was like somebody from Memphis? Because if you're doing that, then guess what? There's probably something in the glove compartment that what if he what if this driver had pulled something back and what didn't just flash it? He used it on cash. You know, <laughs> is that was that the kind of headline? That's the that's what you're risking. Either you shoot him or he might have something on him, and then one of you are going to have to shoot each other. That's the level that we're at right now when you're using a firearm and brandishing it like this. And, and on top of it, in the middle of the road, what if he had taken his eyes off and flew off you know, into a ditch and into a tree or something like that? Uh, there's so many things that could have gone horribly wrong with, with all of this. And I, I thank God that everybody's safe. It's just, like you said, just scaring him. Uh, but when you pull a gun out, that's serious business, people. Uh, like there ain't no question about that, you know. Because like I said, what if he had pulled out a gun on himself, uh, on himself, and you know they, you know, is that the headlines you want if you're AEW? A gunfight's going on in the, in the middle of, of the roads. Because if I was a, you know, if I was just like a mainstream, like non-pro wrestling fan, and I saw a headline that said. Cash Wheeler involved in shootout. I'd be like, is this a cowboy? Is this like the 1800s? Yeah. It sounds like a, uh, like a holdup. So it's just classic, classic CMFTR situation at this point. And like you said, I think it's pretty likely that they probably will drop the titles. And after that, yeah, I would, I agree with you. I mean, thankfully nobody got hurt. That is the good thing. It's nothing. They said that he can't make contact. He doesn't. He said he even said he didn't even know the victim. It's it's not like it was a personal grudge or anything like that. And that's why that's why I said that makes it even more dangerous because who knows who's on the other end of, of that that could be you know liable to pop off himself. You don't yep. want to deal with that. And I think he's a guy. They probably need to just 
chill him out for a little bit. Like you said, maybe take some anger management. I'm not saying – listen, to the MJFs of the world out there, I'm not saying ban him forever. Uh, I'm just saying cool him off for a month or two, put him in some anger management classes, and you know, hopefully we can all move on from it healthier and better people at the end of it. And that's what that's what I'm rooting for. I'm not saying you know ban him forever, but I, I do think there needs to be some consequences, like you said. Take take some accountability for something like like a very very serious thing that I think is is. Like you said, people outside of America, that's something I saw a bunch of times this week was like, is this normal in America? <laughs> like, is what yeah. everybody was saying pretty much. Like, this is the scariest thing ever. And like I said, this is something that hits really close to home for me. So, you know, I think some people weren't taking it that serious uh, when this is a very crazy uh, situation all in all. But that wasn't the only bit of news, and we will move on from that to something less serious, e- even if it's uh, like – Maybe annoying, <laughs> more annoying to talk about. And you mentioned it, CMFTR. <laughs> There's another man who has been in the new, the headlines this week, CM Punk. So there was a lot going on right now. After last week's Collision episode, where a fan recorded him cutting a pro sh- post-show promo in which he insulted Hangman Page, uh, specifically, obviously, I think everybody listening to this knows their history together and everything going on with the lead and the CM Punk. So you see this promo he cuts, and then, you know, crap hit the fan from there pretty much, where everyone's coming out with all kinds of stories. And now it has come to be seen that Punk has gotten the power to remove people from <laughs> from their shows pretty much. A lot has come to this where – there was so many people that were talked about, Hangman being one of them, Nick Nimeth, which was uh, – he posted a tweet saying he's the super soft – the softest wrestler ever a few months ago. So Punk's still holding a grudge over that as we all knew that he would. And even Christopher Daniels, uh, the head of talent relations, all sit home and things with, with Matt Hardy as well. So basically the reports – I'm going to cite a report from Voices of Wrestling here on, the, on their Patreon that they had. They had some news scoops here. This is according to people they're talking to. No 100% in wrestling, but just what is being reported right now. I'm get, bringing it to you all at this moment where it is said – and I will quote here – regarding multiple reports that Punk has been responsible for throwing other talents out of collision tapings – one neutral non-punk camp or no elite adjacent talent who has been on hand for every collision told us that the mood on Saturday is never tense. And that is no secret that punk does not want certain people from Dynamite to come over with drama, quote unquote. <laughs> Pre- <laughs> Maybe he should throw himself out. <laughs> That's what he's looking at. Uh, previously, the tone at Collision has been described as a chill vibe, very positive and drama free and overall less hectic than Dynamite. Another source noted that Saturday's show is lower key and way quieter than Wednesdays, than Wednesdays, with the people involved liking that. Punk has taken personal ownership of and is extremely hands-on at Collision, not only regarding his own matches and storylines, but with the overall direction and tone of the show, right down to unofficially producing segments and matches and micromanaging other small details. Punk himself told a source, I 100% am the reason Nimeth and Daniels were sent home. <laughs> So even he is saying that, but then he said that he had nothing to do with Hangman Page or Matt Hardy uh, being booked for a collision and then later being told not to come. So that doesn't necessarily mean 
he wants those guys there other than there was an issue where maybe they told they had Matt Hardy, for example, to fly in for this show. And then they said, no, nah, you got to go home. And so maybe he just wanted them to just not come at all, and they didn't want to deal with that headache. But somehow things got mixed up. Some people he said, yeah, I did it to Daniels and Nemeth. I don't want them anywhere near this show, anywhere I'm at. And it is even stated, too, that uh, Daniels was one of the people at Forbidden Door at New Japan uh, that we talked about. He D- Daniels was a member of the people, including the Young Bucks, Jack Perry, Matt Hardy, and Britt Baker that all made it a point to avoid Punk, according to this report here, at Forbidden Door. So you've, you've got a good list of names here of enemies that he's uh, made throughout the course of the his time in AEW, including obviously some of the big ones in Elite. What do you think of Punk throwing his weight around on Collision here? Dude, break. <laughs> this guy retired Bret Hart and then has now come back and lived long enough to become Shawn Michaels. Like (laughs) anytime I see a post of his now, like the Seth Rollins interview just comes to mind where he's like, ha ha, Phil, stay away. You cancer, stay away from me forever. (laughs) And I think that's the perfect summation of it all. Like if you look at the people that punk has called his enemies, Christopher Daniels, Ryan Nemeth, like, hangman none of these people are particularly threatening especially daniels and nemeth like and especially like daniels being the head of talent relations and punk being a contracted wrestler as far as we know he could have new roles titles whatever with his thing i have no clue like you said unofficially producing segments but this seems and when i watched collision today right not to jump too far ahead but i think it's perfectly encapsulated in like this opening segment with the golden vampire right joe comes out golden vampire attacks him right away no one thinks it's anything but cm punk and then he hits the world's worst gts and then he (laughs) takes off his head and everyone's like oh all they can think Dude, this guy books himself to be the quote unquote, you know, coolest appearing person in the world, the biggest badass. And it all just comes off so badly. Like there is not a bone in my body that thinks CM Punk could even get a bit of offense in on Samoa Joe in real life or in the ring. And I think just the way that he's booking himself, you know, in all of these things, like. So. He right now, right? He's running collision, whatever. He is allowed to choose who comes and who doesn't. So he's essentially just building this quote, you know, CM Punk utopia for himself with people that he likes. Um, And I would like to hear the reasons why he likes them outside of the fact that they haven't gone against him. Because if it's something as simple as Ryan Nemeth tweeting softest person ever, which is true to an extent, because I think that CM Punk is actually the softest uh being to exist ever <laughs> including animals i'm talking um fucking snakes hummingbirds not to dis- yeah pillows not to disrespect hummingbirds if we're talking object-oriented ontology cm punk would be below you know a lamp post or whatever in terms of moral strength um but it's just like this is such a horrible recipe on paper because what he's essentially doing is like He's just building his own fantasy world and he will further insulate himself deeper and deeper. Right. And let's say, you know, CM Punk is a very strong anti 
uh, gun advocate, right? Or a pro-gun rights advocate in terms of just like, you know, taking them off the streets, you know, um, improving legislation. So I'm very interested to see how he feels about this cash situation, because again, like it's a situation where they're diametrically opposed. And if CM Punk can just brush anyone off at one point, is Saturday night eventually just going to be CM Punk wrestling a fucking broom and the broom <laughs> still putting on a better job, right? It's just like, and again, I cried when he came back. I was so happy. But since like all of this began well over a year ago, there has not been a single bit of improvement on his part. And to me, it's only gotten worse. Again, like we're talking about this and like, who cares about his match at all in because it's so far removed from the things that he actually puts out in the news. And is someone with that level of like a platform, he knows full well that whatever he says will get the level of exposure. So for him, it's just, it's throwing fits and trying to get what he wants and congratulations because to him, because he seems to get it again and again, but at the cost of what, you know, because even some of the, diehard fans of C even some of the you know diehard CM Punk fans on Twitter that I follow they're even now like okay dude it's just it's very fucking depressing to watch someone actively fight against the heat and self and promotion of their own promotion you know there's so much to to think about with this whole situation that like you said has traces back to over a year now which is crazy to think about I think something you said, first of all, the stuff at face value, the hangman promo is what started it off saying he's a peg warmer uh, on there, which I, I know a thing or two about, but that's a whole different situation. The point is, if the stuff he's saying, it all comes across like in his – you mentioned it a little bit. He's living in a fantasy world, and I think yes. that traces back to his whole thing. I mean imagine this. You are a an aging – hobbyist martial artist and you think that you could go into the octagon <laughs> and, and, and that's that's delusional i'm a martial artist too and i'm not as old as he is but i i don't think i could go into the ufc right now i wouldn't try to to think that i mean he made a lot of money off of it but obviously we saw how that worked out in terms of what he had in his skill set now you're here you cut this, you know, you do all of this stuff going on here and you cut this insane promo. I think he thinks that this promo was going to make Hangman want to work a program with him, like come to Collision to do Hangman versus Punk. I'm sure in Punk's world, Punk would win and go over <laughs> in, in this angle. But this is a guy who seems like he's in his own world sometimes. And the thing is, I don't know Nick Nimeth from Adam. I don't know anything about him. I uh, have nothing positive or negative to say. I've talked to Daniels before. He's a very cool guy, and not just me, but 20-plus years of people. When have you heard anything bad about him? Like, he's yeah. universally respected and loved by virtually everyone. That, to me, tells me right there, if you've got a problem with him, that's you. You are the one that has a problem. If he is the other person here, nobody blames Daniels for anything. And it, and it seems like even the reasons speculated on are so petty. But the big point at all of this, he is being enabled by this company who keeps giving this man power. 
over and over. Why wasn't someone there to tell him, wait a minute, no, <laughs> Daniels works for the office. He's not. He's here. Like he is staying here. I don't care what you think, punk. He is coming here whether you like it or not, and that's just how it's going to have to be. You can't get everything you want, which is a lesson he's never learned in his life, I don't think, unfortunately. And that's where the big problem for me is somebody, whether it's Tony Khan himself or you know what he needs? He needs to hire an asshole. Somebody who's not afraid to tell people no. If Tony Khan doesn't want to tell his hero, there's a, there was that report that came around that he was fist pumping when CM Punk walked through the, the curtain or whatever. If you need somebody to tell him no, hire somebody who doesn't mind being the bad guy for Punk and make him do what he should be doing and not taking over everything and running the show. On the flip yeah. side of that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, on the flip side of that, I will pose this to you and I'll let you go. Um. What do you think about the idea that Punk is so valuable to AEW right now, regardless of what we may think of him uh, personally and professionally, which I I get the feeling from you and I think everybody knows me that our opinions are very low about both of those things. Is he so important to the network and Tony Khan and AEW that it's right to give the star, which has happened in wrestling, maybe not to this so over the top extent, but has happened before where the main guys get what they want a lot of times. Do you think that that means anything to Tony Khan that he's just thinking purely in business? If I have to sacrifice Nimeth or Daniels for being happy for one night of the week, I'll do it to keep Punk from going crazy again. Yeah, if Punk has a 10 year contract, an ironclad, like the big show would say, like, like maybe, <laughs> yes. maybe Tony Khan's stuck in it, right? But this is someone to me that has proved the complete opposite of allegiance, you know, which is a strong word in general to this company. Like he has cut them off and cut their legs off at so many different points that, yeah, he's important, but in a financial sense only, it seems. And if punk is going to be the, the capitalist engine that keeps this thing running, then like I could care less. Like I watched the show for pro wrestling and right. when we get into collision, like, Collision very much feels like a um, like a fire pro like fantasy promotion, right? When you first start, you can only use six wrestlers. We have 45 minutes of Bullet Club Gold to kick it off. Like this is, you know, getting on SmackDown territory is kind of what Collision feels like, where it's they have such a limited bare cast of people to work with, and I think a lot are getting over and a lot are doing well, but CM Punk is by far the least interesting part, but maybe his numbers are going up. And, you know, I, I, I don't personally, I don't see the long-term returns on punk. I think that yeah. you'll get the short gains, right. Of, okay, we did collision. It's number one original on Saturday nights. But again, like he genuinely is like this poison in the company. That is so painfully obvious that what is the long-term return within your own company in terms of roster, morale, publicity, um, et cetera. Like, and of course, this they are a company, so it's the bottom line. But it's just so frustrating that they're willing to sacrifice so many other important elements of what makes a roster, a company strong. And, you know, because if we put this in any other place, right, like, let's say it's a target. 
you're not going to have people work opposite shifts because one manager doesn't like the other. And now they're <laughs> going to choose fucking staff members. Right. No, because to me, that would be mismanagement. So not only could CM Punk not manage a target, but it sounds like, again, like he just has too much power. And anytime we see someone with absolute power, I can't think of any time it's been exercised morally right, you know, or it has a positive outcome. So it's unfortunate that I I think that he's been pigeonholed as this, you know, savior for the, the show and the network. But if Collision didn't exist, what the fuck purpose would we have for a CM Punk, you know? And again, like if CM Punk decides to jump ship to WWE, which could be very likely, it's like, what happens to Collision then? I imagine Moxley and the Elite come over. And when I think of AEW, I think of them. And I might actually start watching Collision like regularly if that's the case you know more so than now what do you think of the idea that so my thing on that is we have to understand look at this show we're going to talk about next week all in eighty thousand plus seats before his match was announced at the end of the day like he had nothing to do with that really Mm -hmm. and i've yet to see compelling evidence outside he's made differences at times especially his returns his first return obviously was uh, something really great rampage fizzled out ultimately it didn't really mean that much in the long term other than a moment like you said you you cried a lot of his fans were so emotional when he came back for collision that was a big deal to a lot of people obviously but i've yet to see really big long-term differences made even on the show a lot of his storylines okay the real world champion that's stuff we've seen before a ton of times, even down to the spray paint. It seems like he has all these ideas for big feuds with people that either they don't want to work with him or Tony Khan doesn't want to do for whatever reason. What do you think of the idea that maybe we can get, let's say, six months from now, a year from now, we get to Punk versus Omega. They, they get to a place where they can actually do that match. Uh, would that make all of this worth it if you could finally get these guys together not, they probably won't if he keeps doing what he's doing with these promos. But if, if they did, do you think that would make it? No, it's very much like, okay, I genuinely do not think that CM Punk is capable of great wrestling anymore. So do I want to see him wrestle great wrestlers? Absolutely not. I think at this point, CM Punk is effective as a manager, and that's about it for me. Like Since he has returned, I have not seen it, skosh of great wrestling right um i have no real interest and again i'm not trying to be so hardline on this but it's just one of those things where i think that he is a deeply deeply sick element for this company that i don't have any interest in watching him in the main event scene i don't care to see him versus the elite we're already getting ftr versus the young bucks so that's already done right so what's the purpose of an elite versus cmtr and at that point again it's like you can't convince me that CM Punk could actually have an advantage over Kenny Omega. Like he cannot keep up anymore. And again, it feels like, you know, you were saying no one's ever told him no before. And even in UFC, no one told him no. The only thing that told him no was him getting his ass beat. And it was a very big humbling. And part of me wonders if that is sort of amalgamated and mutated into this massive ego again, where he needs to be, the center of attention and doing these things. And I don't know, again, this is a lot of speculation on my part, which I shouldn't be doing, but it's just is a, is a fan. It's so 
depressing. And no, I, I have like no interest in him versus Omega. Um, to me, it seems like like that feels like Omega doing 90% and Punk doing 10% in terms of like Punk is absolutely in the wrong here and has been since the beginning. So I don't see why he should be rewarded with the number one feud in the company just because he's a prick. Like, and again, it's, oh, we work with people we don't want to. True. And that's typically in situations where like, you know, the other person isn't walking around the office telling people how little shit you sell. And again, it's like these very petty little things. Oh, I know why they call him hangman. And it, if you extrapolate it into any other workplace, it's a poison. So no, it's just no interest in punk really across the board for me. Um, yeah. I would love, I'll watch Kenny fight anyone but punk. <laughs> hey, well, they did have, remember a few weeks ago when they re-signed their contracts, he said maybe even collision. Uh, Omega said that in the promo that he cut. Um, so he kind of teased that maybe one day they could get there. I think that CM Punk, for all of his many faults, does have a, a strong, and I mean strong, very dedicated. Nothing he could do will ever <laughs> change their minds. Fan base, uh, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as great as it maybe once was, <laughs> you know, before he came to AEW. But there are people that will just ride or die with Punk no matter what. I just side with him always. And there there are people like that where I think you could hook them in with an Omega type of program uh, and do something like that. But I think that they have to work it out if that is the end game to make this epic match. Because I do think that a lot of people emotions – like you said, I think if we saw that, emotions would be running high just for the fact that if Punk wins, that seems like a huge injustice <laughs> uh, to, to, the, to the company. And I think you could get real emotions out of that. And I'll say this, Punk's promo when he returned on Collision in June, I thought was a great heel promo, almost. Like babyface in Chicago, but heel to any anybody else, pretty much, where he rallied the crowd behind him. He stirred up stuff about the elite and did all of that stuff. I think as a promo, he can get it done and has done some good work. As a wrestler, I'm really more on your side. I, I haven't been impressed with this return at all. I think he was better off. Because his first run in AEW was more or less like special attraction matches, like with Darby or, or Eddie Kingston stuff. Like I that. loved it. Yeah, yeah I thought it, his Kingston match, Darby match, or uh, I didn't like the Darby match that much, but the MJF Dog Collar is one of my favorite matches of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. see, and they were specialty matches. He wasn't on every week wrestling, and I think that might be his best use if they're smart to get the most out of him. Put him on the bench for a few months. Like you said, maybe being more of a promo guy, maybe even stop in on commentary here and there. Everybody knows he's pretty much in charge of Collision, so why not? Why not play with that a little bit to the fans and keep him out of the ring unless you have a really big match, you know, in Chicago or something like that, to where you can keep him special. I think that's best for him and the fans. To where, like I said, this this past run he's had with Collision. It's it's not any good, you know, like ultimately uh, they're going to need to really do a little bit more to protect him from himself or more accurately. His ego needs to be protected from everyone else. So it's a tough situation. I still wish that they would just somebody would just really sit him down and put a stop to this and just let him be a normal member of the roster more. But like I said, it's it's been said before the big stars always get more leeway in sports. Mm-hmm. 
or wrestling locker rooms. We all know that. This particular example is just so egregious that it's it's causing everyone to take notice of it more than other times. So with that said, a lot of tough stuff going on uh, this past week for them. Like you said, they had collision. And we'll talk about that. As well as Dynamite. Let's talk about that first because that happened on, on Wednesday. Punk obviously wasn't there uh, for that. But came to us from from Nashville, uh, Bridgestone Arena. I've been there multiple times in, in my life. Uh, seen the Nashville Preds play. Um, seen seen all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah, uh, they play there. There's big concerts there. Uh, all, all kinds of pe- people there. Paramore and all of that. Um, but oh, I love Paramore. Yeah, they're they're like one of my OG fa- favorite bands, pretty much. Yeah. When I was Riot yeah, is an all timer. They're they're from like literally an hour away from me as well, uh, from Franklin, Tennessee, as well too. So I got a lot of love. Uh, my cousin, one of his best friends, was listed in the liner notes for Riot, like uh, they had uh, there. So I love Haley and Paramore and, and all kinds of stuff there for sure. One of the best Tennessee bands. But this show, I watched this with my grandparents, uh, Ken, and also Mama was here coming off her her 69th birthday uh, last week. And she is not really an AEW fan. She's much more of a WWE fan. Uh, so she's not as familiar with people. But uh, the reactions to this were interesting. This show. And you just watched this today, correct? I watched Dynamite Live. I watched Collision this morning. Oh, OK, OK. Mm-hmm. This this felt like an experimental show. almost. <laughs> And I just I'm trying to rack my brain around uh, some of the decisions they made. I will say one good thing is that this and all the AEW shows this week were listed as fight for the fallen. So whatever bad publicity they had, they did some great stuff with the wildfires are going on in Maui right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to all the people in Hawaii. There's, I know there's some fires up in Canada going on too. Uh, crazy things going on. Just I like I just want anybody listening from those areas, or if you know people there, uh, all of those guys and girls are in my thoughts and prayers uh, going on there. Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, everybody can work that out. But it's a great thing to do. These uh, you know there was a match on this show in particular <laughs> that was a charity match. Uh, here, but what was kind of your vibe after this dynamite here? Because, like I said, it felt like an experimental show, it chainsaw matches, uh, th- things like that. What was your feelings on this? Um, definitely a bizarre world show, and I think it suffered from card structure. Like, no clue why the Young Bucks main evented against the Guns. Um, yeah. I think if you flipped that and the AEW International title match, you have a very different show. Because the stadium stampede setup and also Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler, I genuinely was like, man, maybe Yuta beats him here, right? And because um, I feel like it's going to be someone from Blackpool, maybe Moxley, Yuta, Claudio, whatever. Those are the yeah. people I'm kind of seeing maybe beating Cassidy. But there was a lot of tension there, tons of history, so much stuff going on. Still the blood feud or uh, a developing blood feud between these two groups now, you know, post blood and guts. And yeah, then you set up Stadium Stampede, Eddie Kingston returns. It's really cool. And then we go on a Darby Allen and Nick Wayne versus the Gates of Agony. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and again, like, uh, it's just I think card structure is so, so important for wrestling shows. Um I did not mind the Texas Chainsaw Death match. Like, I don't know what people expected, (laughs) but I was like, man, this is going to suck and it's going to be hilarious. And that was pretty much it. I mean, you got Leatherface coming out. 
you got Satnam Singh in the overalls. You have Sanjay yeah. <laughs> Dutt in a full cowboy outfit. Like, this was as schlocky as it could be. And, you know, when it's something like Mountain Dew Pitch Black, right? Yeah. And they are trying to put on a great match by promoting Mountain Dew Pitch Black. It's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm like, just have fun. Like, this is so clearly ridiculous. And I think here they knew, like, yeah, we just need to make this as crazy as possible. And they achieved that. So do I think it was a great match? No. But do I think that they approached it probably the best way they can by fully embracing the insanity? Definitely. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I honestly do not remember Britt versus the Bunny or the Darby and Wayne tag match. Um just very forgettable um but yeah no i mean overall like it was a pretty mild dynamite i would say which is not something they really need right now it's just a lot a lot of setting up um the mjf cole segment i thought was pretty good where they both did like their speeches against each other i think it's so powerful and it's not done enough to have two people facing each other with respect and actually talking about how great they are and acknowledging it because it, it's there's something about that that is you know just great to me i, I it's very reality based you yeah, know it's like it's almost like the heart of, of wrestling almost is like the most pure form of wrestling like two guys who are there not for blood and guts or whatever but just out of respect for the title and in each other yep and especially for that to be adam cole and mjf that's a pretty fucking crazy uh duo to be the respectful title people right now because <laughs> they're like two of the biggest assholes ever respectfully speaking and positively saying that um but yeah no this uh lots of angles and i think maybe something that told the experience for me obviously is that these matches have pretty much been online now for what the past month it feels like so when they're finally announcing these with the exception of stadium stampede which was a surprise to me so i thought that was cool um everything else just kind of felt like oh yeah i i knew that was happening um yeah what did you think yeah you look at the cage match ratings and i think it tells the story 6.86 5 5.62 2.26 uh 3.96 that's really low uh, for the women's match 5.94 main event there's just not a lot there that's standing out. Uh, clearly, the international title was the best match. And I will tell you this about the Texas Chainsaw match. Mama loved that match. Uh, when it was <laughs> happening. There was so much just insanity. You had fake blood. They started off in this dark ha- hallway. Yeah. Uh, like Karen got soaked with, with this red stuff. Uh, Jeff was was bleeding. Uh, there was a part that Mama like, was like very just – she loved it so much where – they got on – they were brawling or down the ramp coming from the hallway, and Karen jumped on Isaiah Cassidy's back and, like, had that chokehold type of deal, and he had, like, this judo throw on her, and it was, like, super hard, and she was like, holy shit when that happened. Uh, she loved it, that throw on Karen, uh, but in the end, everybody came in, and the big reveal was, of course, Leatherface coming in. I don't know what Leatherface this was. It wasn't one in the movie. I'll, I'll tell you that. But he came out from the back swinging his chainsaw around, uh, and that somehow allowed uh, Jarrett to get to win. Uh, it was a crazy match, and he got a title afterwards, too. <laughs> I was surprised by that. 
But it was I, a a fun match, I thought. Yeah, I hope he defends the title every week in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> death match now. Actually, I hope that main events every week. That um, should be. That's what Collision should be. Yeah. Is Texas, all Texas Chainsaw Saturday. <laughs> yes. I, I think this was for like the video game they have coming out for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So they made a lot of money off of this, and it's all going to the charity stuff. So that's a great – to me, how can you hate this? Like you get charity money from this. It's crazy goofiness. How can you not like this? Yeah, and also I do want to plug Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Congrats to Wes and the devs. It's a fantastic game for fans of, you know, Friday the 13th, Dead by Daylight, super fun. Um, I don't know. I've been having a blast. I've probably put a good 10 hours into it this weekend, so I I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's free on Game Pass for anyone that uses that. Um, So, yeah, it was it was very, very cool. And I think, you know, to see Leatherface come back to wrestling, it's one of those, you know, super, super deep cuts where it's just kind of like, ah, all is right with the world again. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what we were all thinking. Finally, Leatherface has come back to save us from the craziness going in there. Um, Like you said, the tag matches were basically nothing. I thought the Nick Wayne and Darby Allen finishing move they had, where they were both on the turbuckle at the same time, and Nick hit a moonsault and Darby hit the coffin drop at the same time, uh, was really well done. Uh, But besides that, basically nothing matches set up the big match. Give us uh, give us a peek of Joker Sting here too on this episode. So you, that's another thing. Like you had the Texas match, you had Joker Sting, you had the Australian stuff with uh, Adam Cole and, and MJF. It was a, a crazy show in, in a lot of ways, but I thought that it wasn't the show they needed heading into All In. You needed kind of a big show to hype people, and I think this is more like an experimental show. Uh, overall, but they did set up like the stadium stampede stuff was great with Eddie coming out. Like you said, a genuine surprise. We'll talk a little bit about that in in a second, a little bit more about that in a second. I thought MJF's promo was awesome. I hated the stuff backstage. I like the stuff with Australian and all that. I thought that was so stupid. Disciplinary Uh, Tony Khan. You weren't a fan. (laughs) Yeah, that's another thing. I have all weeks for this, too, by the way, considering what we just talked about for half an hour <laughs> leading yeah. into this. Of all weeks, like the hard ass, Tony Khan will not let anything fly in his locker room. But the promo in the ring, especially MJF's part, where he's talking about how he wrote Adam Cole down as one of his dream opponents, that was money, right? There. Like, that was a great promo. And basically, for all the stupid stuff that's been in this feud uh, so far, that promo alone made it feel like, yes, this is a major match. Like, this deserves to headline the biggest wrestling show ever. Uh, I just thought it was amazing. The MJF promo. Coles was good, too, but I thought MJF especially was, like, really great. And like you said, they're getting to an interesting part. What did you think? I'll, I'll, before we go to Collision, I'll ask you this one part about that. What did you think of an ending with Adam Cole teasing to superkick MJF at the end? Um, I like it, honestly. Um, for me, like, and again, this is subjectively or speaking subjectively, but it has always made sense for Adam Cole to be the one to turn and not MJF. Um, I think it, it like, again, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's look at what, you know, both situations do for either. And it's like, MJF turns on Adam Cole, 
Adam Cole is a babyface with no friends, and MJF is still MJF, right? Still the devil. Adam Cole turns heel on MJF. Maybe he joins back up with the kingdom, right? Gets Roddy back in. We get the, uh, the, the, the OGK back, whatever. Cole is always best as a faction leader. Um, and then you still have heel, devil, MJF, whatever, but it's, it's one of those things now where he's able to oscillate between babyface and heel. And I think having a sympathetic devil is far more interesting at this point. Um, and I think that MJF definitely needs a change like that to extend his title reign. Um, simply because, like, after this Cole program, you know, we've this is the first fresh MJF program in God knows how long. Even though at first it's sort of treaded on the same surface as uh, Jericho MJF. Um, but no, I, I really hope that Cole is the one about them on the show right this is like the uh, it's just like what's gonna happen here you know why are they making this a point if they lose is cole gonna fucking turn on mjf and now you have this insane even way more heated title match at the end or do they just win and go and super happy right um who knows and there's a million other outcomes but Overall, yeah, I really hope that Cole turns on MJF because, again, it's one of those heel turns where, like, to turn on MJF because he is so evil. Like, remember when Owens turned on Jericho and it's kind of like when evil turns on evil, then you have that, you know, then that spectrum of like, this is the greater evil. And that is very exciting, the potential. So, yeah, I, I hope that Cole turns on him. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was interesting that they teased it so blatantly. I think it would have been better, actually, because they pretty much did the exact same angle at the end of the show with FTR, where they, you know, the Young Bucks had their backs to him and they looked to set up the Shatter Machine. But then when it happened, they were like, nope, hug it out, uh, pretty much. They, they did the exact same thing twice, so I didn't like that part, uh, actually. Mm. Speaking of Jericho, though, what do you think about his segment with Don Callis? Um, <laughs> yo, Mal Coleman art is the best artist in wrestling right now. Like her paintings are incredible. I really love shout them. out, shout out. Um, this, I mean, right, just talking about you, like you said, Owens and Jericho, but this is pretty much your festival of friendship. Um, when Jericho said yes, and then Don's like, oh, what? I thought it was funny for them to reveal the painting. Um, you know, I thought what Jericho said about Don is very true. Like Don in and out of wrestling is just like this fucking human melted toe candle, like weasel. That's he's like Peter Pettigrew from Harry Potter. If you've seen that, you know, like the, the little guy can turn to the rat and in the best way, like he just finds new life somehow. Right. It's like his head gets cut off and he's able to find a new body to possess, whether it's Omega or Takeshita or Osprey. Um, do I really care about Osprey, Jericho? Not so much. But overall, I thought this segment got what it needed to do. But again, like I can't say I'm excited by it or remarkably invested. Like yeah. it, it's one of those things where everyone kind of hit their marks, but it's not ultimately for me still because. I don't, you know, babyface Jericho, whatever. Um, 
and like I just think again like this is another thing where I think his position could be much better utilized by someone else um like Chris Jericho it, it's very strange how last year I think he had personally speaking the best you know singles run of his life in quite some time is the ROH world champion and um this year I feel like he outside of probably his Tomohiro Ishii match um it feels like he just has not gotten to I don't know he just has not clicked in ring much this year for me obviously the one everyone will point to is the Adam Cole match at that double or nothing which was very yes. poorly received uh, overall especially by me <laughs> but but you know he's a guy that He's been a star in this industry for 20 plus years at this point, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And a guy who's been around for even longer than that, you have a lot of history to play off of. I like that they did that with Callis and Jericho. I just think that it's kind of like it all it's stupid, but it kind of fits that he would have the painting in the ring. Why would you be so sure that he was going to say no? Because uh, every indication to this point was like he was in between on it. And on top of it, his group had just left him. So you would think basically exactly what Jericho said. He's like, I lost everything, and now I'm going to build up again with the family. Why wouldn't he say that after the Jericho Appreciation Society left him? But for Don Callis, the ego so big that it actually makes – like CM Punk doing stupid stuff backstage. It makes <laughs> sense when knowing his character at the end yep. of the day. And that's how I felt about Callis, even though that, that segment was kind of goofy. It really reminded me actually of the segment where Owens did turn on him. And the Festival of Friendship, obviously that was like way better when it happened then. But you had the, the picture getting smashed over his head. One thing I don't like is basically Takeshita, he's basically been turned into Callus' goon at this yeah. point. He went from being a guy that looked like a star player, great heel presence, Great reactions, great work, and everybody knows how just freaking awesome he is in every way. Even Jim Cornette thinks he's great, so like any normal person would also know that. But now it's more like he's a nameless guy. Like you know, all the real stars are tied up in other stuff. And let me tell you something: that Omega segment, <laughs> that that promo, I can't believe the ones back to back. The the interview with Jr. and then Hangman. <laughs> outside of the quote-unquote hospital when you clearly see a garage door right behind this ambulance uh, like clearly taking place in the parking lot. I don't know how those segments even made air because Omega's promo and the reactions especially by JR and everyone during the beating it was like awful. (laughs) Like what were they thinking uh, on that one? It was so unrealistic uh, to set up that big multi-man match which (laughs) <laughs> will probably be the best match on the card wrestling wise, like the six man. It's just so goofy how they set it up and, and I wasn't a big fan of how they reacted to Omega's beat down by JR, you know. Yeah, and again, like building Osprey and Jericho through Jericho's quote unquote, you know, feud with Takeshta and Callis or storyline with them is so weird because again like what is this connection like obviously going back to omega osprey and callus's involvement in that again this relationship just hasn't been explained at all it feels like it hasn't been touched on and it just feels very um like hey we don't have any other way to get this in let's just do it here right and you know like you were saying about Takeshta, like 
A hundred percent. It felt like Callus managing him was going to be Takeshita the star with Callus as a mouthpiece. And now it feels like Callus is the main figure and Takeshita is just there to do what he wants. And it's a really unfortunate situation that Takeshita has been upstaged again by this melted candle. Um, for real, he looks like the Spy Kid's two thumb. And <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I think like as much as I have loved the Darby Sting and AR Fox Swerve feud, I think oh, yeah. if you just kind of flip this, you do a Jericho and Takeshita versus Sting and Darby at Wembley because then you get Sting and Jericho, Jericho and then yeah. afterwards, yeah. afterwards you have Callus turn on Jericho, or whatever, because they lose, right? You're not strong enough to run with me. I knew it. And then you do fucking Swerve versus Osprey at Wembley. That to me is a match like that is the big singles match where, you know, this is so random, but it's like going back to NXT and AEW when they first started. And I remember it was like a great American bash and it was blah, blah, blah. And then they booked Timothy Thatcher versus Oni Lorcan. And I was like, shit, they know who I am. Right. And it's (laughs) one of those matches where it's like they did this for us, the real ones. And to me, Swerve versus Osprey on paper is like. I mean, you're like, my expectations going in is like, that's an almost five-star match from the get-go, right? And it's Sting versus Jericho, Wembley. Like, it's just a lot of stuff, again, that doesn't make sense. And with All In, of course, being a week before All Out, like, I've always come in with kind of tepid expectations um, in terms of what the card would be, knowing that there's their biggest pay-per-view the year after. And overall, I will say, like, I think that they booked out the card well is a you know fusion of their sort of current pay-per-view model and the original all-in is a you know lots of multi-man stuff like that and um like you know your sting match almost feels like your steven amell match right and all these things um but it's just i wonder if they would have made these same decisions obviously like a Jericho Osprey if All Out wasn't the week after, because some of these things, I just don't know how they're going to go into All Out. Like for me, I can see MJF versus CM Punk, right? It's in Chicago. That feels like the obvious thing. So they both win their matches and then they face off to end the show. But like Chris Jericho versus Will Osprey, it's just, you know, when you hear the match, you should already be like, oh, I can't wait. And I, I hope they get to do it again. Right. Um, and there's just nothing about this match that is drawing me in. So anyway, I'm rambling now. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> like, I love your idea of Jericho to catch it ever sting and Darby. I think that would have been so much. I especially love Swerve getting a shot. I think that they have done some of the absolute best work in AEW the last month or so. Mm-hmm. That segment where they showed up at Nick Wayne's house, uh, that to me was one of the best like angles that AEW's actually done. Nick Wayne was just a bloody mess, like great blade job. They felt scary, like they were beating the hell out of this guy. They felt dangerous. They felt real. It was so good. Uh, I just I thought that was like a great great segment, and I love the feud. This uh, week took a little bit more of a comedic turn with Joker Sting. Uh, going after Prince Nana, but I still like the match well enough. I don't know about the coffin match, Stip, but I'm just happy that Swerve gets a match on the card at all, considering where he's been at in the past and that never-ending Keith Lee feud. <laughs> now they're using him a little bit more. I am Hopefully so we'll- happy. Oh, sorry, as well, just for AOF, or AR Fox. Like, 
I love this guy. I've watched him since like 2013 PWG, like evolve when he was in the Skulk. Like he has been such a yeah, I think unsung influence on independent U.S. wrestling. You know, through what was it, the Skulk? Like I mean, he's trained so many yeah. people as well. So for him to finally get his flowers, especially on a show this big, and for them to really course correct the Mogul Embassy, I think you, you unfortunately don't get a lot of you know good course corrections in terms of factions and groups most of the time when they're sort of just dissolved. But pairing Fox with Strickland has been fantastic. Um, my only thing with the match that's, or this view that's a little corny is the whole, like, you didn't call me for five years, Darby, with the Air Fox and Darby <laughs> thing. Because, um, again, it feels just kind of like, okay, we have this, we use it. Um, but, yeah, I this is probably my most anticipated match. I think it's the best um built thing happening on the show and now i just realized so hear me out real quick if ftr dropped the belts to the young bucks and then they're off the shelf right or on the shelf yeah for a bit because wheeler has to do his thing and dax needs to cut a new podcast um (laughs) we should bring back trench and parker to team back with cm punk and we can call it cmtp that could be really (laughs) cool so I think that that should be his punishment. That should be how he deals with his accountability. So he has to team with Trench and Parker. Oh, he'll be on Instagram Live so fast if they try to, to do that. He'll be out, <laughs> out of the hole. We never see him again. I've and never seen def- fucking Rocky Three. I don't like baseball. Who the fuck is Trench? Just like <laughs> That's the thing. He must hate baseball now. He should like it if he's a true Cubs fan like myself, uh, considering that we've been on a little bit of a run lately heading <laughs> into the playoffs. So he should respect Trench a little bit more. <laughs> but speaking of Punk, real quick, uh, Collision, they really, the only things they really set up were um, Punk and Joe. You mentioned the golden vampire angle uh, on Joe, where he's like, I accept, bitch. They're talking about the challenge. Um, they set up Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs on All Out, which is in Chicago. I'm way into that. Uh, I love both of those guys so much, so I'll be into that. Uh, they gave us a lot of Bullet Club Gold. If you love Bullet Club Gold, this is your show <laughs> that you go on here. Um, I was really impressed, though. Uh, the main event was really good, too, with uh, Christian and Darby. Christian's still a really good worker, not necessarily the most flashy, but a guy that really gets the most out of him. And Darby is just one of their best, probably, uh, in the ring. And I really want to shout out Diamante in her match with Willow. Uh, mm-hmm. Compare that to the Brit and Bunny match. Uh, I thought this was way better. Diamante somebody I thought was like super underrated on the roster, somebody that should have been on TV beforehand. I don't know why she hasn't gotten more love. Uh, you know, on TV because she has a lot of talent, but I was really happy to see her even in a loss and, and happy to see Willow win. But other than that, it wasn't like a, a great show or anything. The main event is probably the one match you you might want to check out overall. The other stuff was like, okay, and I like the women's match, but besides that, not a, not a super spectacular show. Yeah. Um, okay. I like Jay White versus Dalton Castle. Like, I think the good oh, yeah. matches on here were like all solid three plus stars for me. Yeah. Um, Dalton Castle, like, okay, both of their entrances, fantastic. Like, the fact that Juice can control the arm now on Cardboard Cutout J, remarkable. He is a true engineering visionary. I love Um, that. Juice is just over, man. Like, the way that he is over right now, it feels very much like when he kind of hit that U.S. title, like, originally, you know, in – 
in New Japan. Like he is him and Tony have both really, really come into these new characters. It's almost just like harbingers of chaos. They feel like in all, on opposite ends. And I loved it. I love Tony's uh, interview with Lex and how she's is single week. Um, like, again, my, my main complaints were just, I love bullet club gold, but I thought 45 minutes was just too long. And that's not to say the content wasn't like entertaining the whole time, but to me, it felt more so indicative of like, we don't have anything else for this right now. Um, you know, like again, like on a SmackDown where it's 40 minutes of the bloodline to open the show because they just need to fill time. Um, but yeah, Iron Savages, I haven't seen them in a while. I thought their gimmick was pretty fun, chugging the the pre-workout. Like those are just some great, you know, geek tag team stuff right there. Uh agreed with Willow Nightingale and Diamante. I thought it was a good match. Willow really got to like just like Super Saiyan at the end. You know, she was like screaming and roaring, and I thought it was awesome. Again, like Willow is so consistent. Her character is only getting stronger. She is only getting more over with the crowd. And I think like when I look at wrestlers and I'm like, these are people that kids could really look up to and embrace. Right. Yeah. Like Willow Nightingale has to be like number one. And if not at the very top of that list, um, like to me, she feels like she could be the new Bailey in terms of like total baby face, but with more edge as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also just want to shout out the best, like, okay, maybe like the, the dark horse of this show, their use of jobbers, Derek Neal and Kevin Koo are two of the best people in the Indies. I fucking love violences forever. I love Koo. It was really, really cool to see him get like the chance from the crowd and even like Hobbs acknowledge it for a second. Yeah. Koo was willing to work his ass off for Hobbs and Derek Neal, who fought big bill is uh, you know, former new South champion, the biggest belt in the world if you've never seen the new south world heavyweight championship look at it uh former champion kenzie page is like quite literally half the size of it um so it's massive it it is a whole human torso so to me uh as a wrestling fan i always love to see that stuff especially when it's not like johnny gargano but dressed as like a little swedish yodeler when they're allowed to just be their actual selves um it's, it's just little easter eggs and yeah darby versus christian was great to me I would honestly say that Christian is who CM Punk thinks he is. <laughs> not to dig at CM Punk again. But <laughs> Christian, like you said, he is not flashy and neither is Punk. And I think that that was one of the allures of Punk originally is he's kind of sloppy and not super flashy, but he was good. He has such a high ring IQ where he was a great storyteller, right? And I just think he's even lost a lot of that now because it's just not able to click. But Christian can get the most out of nothing. And, like, anytime I see Christian bump in this match, it looks like Darby's taking more of it still, which is just hilarious to me. Um, and I, I loved the post-match or whatever where Christian got the count. Um, I feel kind of bad for Luchasaurus. Like, again, it's – it's. I mean, I think they should have should have changed Luchasaurus's name, like, back to, you know, something more in line with his Lucha Underground character because I don't think there's anything inherently terrifying about it, the name Luchasaurus – um, but his whole run with Christian, I don't even know if you can really call it a run, but I've enjoyed it. I love chicken shit Christian. Yeah. Like, if anything that gives me PWG champion Roderick Strong vibes, I'm all for it. So 
like yeah i mean overall like this show i think it had a lot of gaps and again way too much bullet club gold not to say i don't love them but um I really love the intros of Collision, how they just sell you everything from the get-go. Yeah, I I love that, too. That's a great – even if CM Punk thought of that, this is something he did right. For sure, to put those intros in. No, 100%. And, like, that's the thing is, you know, this isn't to say CM Punk's all bad. I don't fucking like the guy. But, like, if he did that, absolutely. I I do like the the template, the kind of different structure that they have on here. Um, You know, Dynamite definitely feels more like a house party. And this feels more like, hey, we're going to work and we're going to wrestle. And yeah. that's not a bad thing either. But, yeah, um, I, I would honestly say Collision was probably the better show this week. Yeah, I agree with that. And on top of it, they have the two best characters, one of which we mentioned with Juice Robinson. Uh, the other one, his wife on here, because Tony Storm is awesome with this <laughs> new gimmick uh, that she has. And the way she's done these, they just give her a little bit with the backstage backstage interviews as like this tortured, like 1950s diva or or something like that. I think she's Mm -hmm. going for, but I loved it. I think she's awesome in that. And and Juice is great. Uh, Like one of the breakout stars of Collision so far to me. Totally. And I think um, it's a great sign, at least, to see stars already getting developed through Collision only 10 episodes in right like that is i think that that is a better marker of success in the long run than like these you know ratings or whatever yeah because you know you're building your future and i agree they need those (laughs) so yeah collision was a good show this week dynamite was kind of crazy but they were different too which is interesting and you can see a lot of the fans are kind of picking sides a little bit here with Collision and Dynamite because uh, they're two different vibe shows. So that's interesting. Imagine if there were Ron Smackdown fans fighting online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this has accomplished what they've wanted to accomplish in WWE for like 20 years to have opposite fans like in real life. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that's one good thing. It's another thing CM Punk brought us. <laughs> another good thing. But let's talk about yeah the tribalism the thing we all needed more of in (laughs) in wrestling uh let's talk about all in uh we'll we'll go through this card here um the first match uh, there's eight matches on the main card and one on the zero hour and it just so happens that one on the zero hour features the same guys as in the main event mjf and adam cole teaming up to take on aussie open for the ring of honor world tag team titles Again, I hated their backstage stuff with the Australian stuff uh, going on there this week. The promo for their singles match is great, and this match should be good. How do you think this is going to play out, though? Because we talked a little bit about the feud they've had, where they could go, wanting Cole to turn. Will Cole turn in this match, or will it be after the match, or will they even win the titles? Like The fact that it's the Ring of Honor titles makes me assume they're not going to win them. Um, yeah, good point. <laughs> I, you know, this might it's this could just be a way to get like, I don't know. There's so many things here, right? Let's get Ozzy open on the show. Let's do something to set up. Uh, this is like a very different sort of angle, right? Than what we're used to, especially on an AEW pay-per-view. I, I don't know, maybe outside of pack someone doing double duty. And that might have just been on TV, right? The trios and then the international title after. Um, but 
it has the potential to really build some intriguing story and just through the night, right? Because you can also do backstage segments. Yeah, they uh, should, in my opinion. Give it like, you know, a flair race feel from like those old, uh, you know, was the NWA pay-per-views or whatever, WCW, like just that whole heat building throughout the thing, the people in their locker rooms, the division, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, personally, I hope Aussie Open retains. They are so good. And if anything else, this is just going to be a great opener. Um, again, it's just like, and especially on the zero hour as opposed to the opening match on the show, I'm just, I'm, I really don't know what's going to happen, but they've kind of given us a powder keg here, right? Uh, main eventers in a pre-show match with tag team champions. And I'm like, there's so much shit that could explode. So I'm excited for it. I could see Roderick playing a role in this at uh, mm. the main event with everything going on uh, with his comedy character that they, uh, they've given him lately. Maybe you see him try to run in and help Cole, but it somehow backfires on MJF and you could set something like that. So mm. set something up like that uh, too. And maybe that could even set something up for the, the week after it all out. If they wanted to do something, maybe have a, like Roderick, you know, face for the title if MJF retained, or you could have Cole win and, and later on and do something as well. Um, you have a lot of interesting options with this match. I like the idea of them doing the double duty uh, for this situation and for the storyline, even though there's been some ups and downs with how they've handled it. And this particular match is more like. Aussie Open isn't that important to it. It's more so what will happen with MJF and Cole is really the intrigue here. But I do think I agree with you. Aussie Open will retain and something will happen that sets up that will play into the main event. We've got FTR versus the Young Bucks for the tag title. We talked about this a bit earlier. Um, You know, we think that the Young Bucks will win. Do you think that how do you think the match will, will be? Um. It's it's funny how like dream feuds turn into something like this. Um, if it wasn't for the Cash Wheeler incident from this past week, I still think I'd have pretty mild um, excitement over this. It just hasn't. It, again, yeah. it's one of those matches that it's like, OK, everyone's like, this is your biggest show ever. Why aren't you doing dream matches? And on paper, this is probably like the, the one match outside of like maybe a CM Punk Samoa Joe match in terms of like, you know, rivalries, historical stuff that makes sense on the paper, but they haven't done anything for this feud. And each time these teams have fought, it's felt like they haven't done anything for the feud. And it's always been particularly rushed or not thought out. And so they, I mean, they have not given me reason to be excited about this outside of the fact that it's these two teams. Um, and personally speaking, I think that in, in the four years since AEW has started, there are better and more exciting tag teams now in, in the company. Um, and like not to tangent too much, but, you know, analyzing the AEW tag team division real quick, when the acclaimed won it, they were probably like the hottest tag team champions since Omega and Hangman. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they dropped to the guns just so that FTR can win the titles, not defend them for 100 days, defend them once and then face the Young Bucks at Wembley. And I'm like, man, this is just all very bad since the acclaimed, in my opinion. Um, I would much rather if you have the acclaimed hold them until now and face the Young Bucks at Wembley. Hell yeah. Um, that to me is way more exciting because, again, like. Everyone's like, FTR needs to go for the titles. And the second they win them, they haven't done anything with them because they've just had to 
be there with CM Punk. Um, so I, that's been really unfortunate. But yeah, it could be a good match. Um, you know, like I feel like their matches, I'm either super into it. Like I feel like I liked the um, the first one a lot where Cash lost, right? Because he did the springboard yeah. 450 and I thought that was good. The second yeah. one did not do much for me. So we'll see. I'm very open though. So Yeah, the, the talent is there. I have to say, I agree with you. There's really no hype for this. <laughs> that makes you super invested. And on top of it, to me, the Bucks have never been colder in AEW than they are right now, going for the tag titles. It's more or less, this is just like you said, a dream feud playing on the legacy more so than actually doing anything to get you interested. And I think they could have – it's tough because, I mean, the Young Bucks promos are what they are. Uh, I think they could have used some kind of hype for this on Dynamite to really get people more invested in it because – like I said, taking away what happened this week with Cash, it's just not that – it's not been built that well, ultimately. They're just banking on, hey, the third match in the series, which, uh, you know, if they come in to deliver a classic match, <laughs> that's all you'll need. But, uh, I, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, the, the Bucks are probably going to win here. It'll be an epic moment for them at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Got the women's title match. Uh, the long list of legendary Fatal 4-Way matches, as we were told, on Dynamite at AEW. Soraya, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, and Hikaru Shida. Who gets the belt here? If Shida doesn't, then I'm going to have to retire from watching pro wrestling. So hopefully Shida wins. Um, yeah, like this is, I think this is a cool match. I mean, it's in direct dialogue with the original All In, right? We had, um, God, was it Madison Rain, Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, and there was one other person I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Um, but, like, that was a great four-way. I think you have Shida is the best worker in the company outside of, like, Emi Sakura, right? Um, so Ray and Tony Storm with Tony's change in character, I think this is the setup for the outcast to, you know, implode or whatever. So my dream here is, you know, if, if Nello is the Tony Khan of, of AEW, you have Soraya, you have Tony almost win, Soraya cost her or vice versa, right? And then Sheeta pins Brit. And Sheeta is able to get the win back over Brit because she beat her for the title. And I I just I will be so fucking heartbroken if they gave the title to Sheeta just to pop Dynamite 200 and then give it back to Brit at Wembley. Um Yeah. Like Sheeta right now is about as hot as she has ever been in the company. And Brit is about as cold as she's ever been. Um, I don't I think that Brit needs to kind of maybe get a very big character change. Um, you know, I think and again, maybe it's Brit wins and then Jamie returns. Right. And then we set that up. But then again, it's like, why? Um, so, yeah, I really, really hope Sheeta wins. What about you? Oh, totally agree. Sheeta is the best worker. And if you look at her in this run and this build up to this show, she's been all over the place doing these English interviews, trying to get things over with the title, give herself some time that they don't ever give her on TV, even though they should. Uh, you know, she's really getting in there, trying to, to make the best out of this new run that she's on right now. It makes perfect sense for what you said to happen between Soraya and Tony, one to cost the other. And that lead to a breakup of the outcast, which hasn't really worked. It's faced a lot of criticism from so many people. I think it's probably tried to, time to do something a little bit different with all of them. Um, Britt, I also agree with, actually. 
I think right now she's in a tough spot. I mean, there was that match a couple of weeks ago with Taya, which uh, very negatively received. And this match with the Bunny, not much better <laughs> either. Either <laughs> I think she's somebody that you probably want to retool, <laughs> repackage. You could do a lot with. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Hater gone for a little while, and I think that's the sad part of this is that this could have been an epic moment for her if all things were okay, but with the injury, she's going to be gone for a while. Hopefully they build some building blocks for her to return to and get back up that mountain. But right now, I agree with you. Sheeta is the pick. Uh, no need to flip-flop the title like that. Uh, one more question for you on this. Do you think Soraya's boyfriend will make an appearance at the show? Is Ronnie Radke allowed to be around children in arena? Well, especially <laughs> when he leaves the country. Uh, yeah. He does have, like... Murder charges, I think, against him. Dude, it's okay. So I knew about him, God, from like Warp Tour 2006. So it's one of those things where I'm like, man, he's always been a piece of shit. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I hope not. Maybe he does the running and he wins the title. That sounds like something that could happen in AEW Women's Division at this point. Hey, uh, like back then he was with his old band, which I do admit back then I probably was a little bit of a fan of <laughs> Escape the Fate. Uh, oh my God, that's right. Escape yeah, the Fate. Yeah, I don't know that much about the new stuff that he's got going on, but it's because he's him. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big problem <laughs> with that. Uh, but he would get super heat if he did come out there, even just to play <laughs> Soraya's song. You got 80,000 people in Wembley. Take off your shoes if you hate Ronnie Radke. <laughs> just fucking holding him up. <laughs> Uh, plus he's so crazy that he might like turn it around and start shooting on the fans if they if they boo boo him Ronda like, Rousey style yeah kind of profanity lace promo against AEW wrestling England everybody uh, yeah. which could be entertaining if they did do that. that that's something that I'm looking forward to if that does happen and uh, we got the coffin match Darby and Sting versus Mogul Embassy uh, like we talked about earlier in terms of work rate uh, you will not find a bigger Sting in AEW fan than than yours truly, and the other three are all freaking great. Uh, Swerve might be one of their best overall talents, uh, and Darby might be one of the best in the ring, and Fox is just a legend. Uh, you know, everything about this seems like it could be crazy and awesome. Yeah, I think if um, if I had to put two other young talents along with MJF. In terms of like, you know, saying that they are main event world title ready, I would say Swerve and Starks. Like Swerve has had ever since, I mean, even on the indies, right? Like there's something about Swerve to me that has always been, like I have always had the utmost respect for him. He is CZW Cage of Death, right? He has done, like, he is someone that can do any style and isn't afraid to wrestle any style because i feel like a lot of people will look down on death matches right or things like that and swerve can do any of it like swerve to me is you know like uh i would say a ddt wrestler in the sense of he is total variety and can do it all uh a mao type guy right um this is the most excited i've been for a sting match in a very long time uh, Sting matches are always fun, but lately it's almost felt like they're just trying to get him on the on the card as opposed to like having a real good meaty feud. And this is one of those yeah. great feuds where if you look at it like they have. OK, so it starts with Darby bringing in uh, A.R. Fox and he's like, I promise him in a TNT title. Right. And then this turns into Fox turning on Darby and then they beat up Nick Wayne, who's Darby's new friend. And now you have three generations and Wayne and Darby and Sting. And it's just like. This is something that makes sense 
even yeah. though, like I said, the whole you haven't called me in five years thing. But like this is good writing and this is good storytelling in terms of like I haven't had to question anything. The segments of them going to, um, like you said, Wayne's house and then like the the viral video of them showing up at AR Fox's gym. Like that yeah, has to be one of the that. coolest things because – one of the most exciting things in pro wrestling is that anything can happen, right? Yeah. And that extends to past the immediate screen we're watching. And to have this storyline live off screen, you know, not in terms of like the the previously produced, like, you know, you can tell Giancarlo and them or whatever are making this like swerve and AR Fox and Nana going to uh, Wayne's house. But like the sheer or like the pure like um, – viralness and unexpectedness of Darby and Sting showing up at AR Fox's fucking like indie little training dojo. Like <laughs> that is just so cool. And um I like Joker Sting. You know, Swerve was definitely doing some Joker stuff at the beginning of his run because I know he cited him and uh Spike from Cowboy Bebop is kind of like inspirations for when he was leaving AEW. Yeah. Um, and I know Sting's wanted to bring back Jokers. So it's cool. It's kind of just like this is chaos um, encapsulated, you know, and or chaos embodied. And, and I'm all here for it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I love that they got all of these guys on the card. Coffin match. I don't know. How are you going to do a tag team coffin? <laughs> is it going to be two guys oh, on one coffin? <laughs> two coffins, one extra large coffin for two people? that's actually i haven't thought of that i never once thought of that oh my god um that's a good question i have no idea i feel like darby and sting could fit in a smaller coffin than fox and swerve though so it needs to be super sized so either yeah. can go in too. it's just like a king-sized king-sized coffin but yeah yeah I don't <laughs> that know. Way they both can fit in there both in one coffin darby and fox respectfully speaking have to be like you know, potentially the two dumbest people on the roster in terms of like things they're willing to do to their bodies. Yes. I think there's a, there's an old Chuck Taylor quote from like a fucking, Oh my, it's like an evolved DG USA. Like they went to China or something like that trip. And, um, in it, Chuck Taylor's like AR Fox is too stupid to feel pain or something like that. <laughs> I've never forgotten it, dude, just in terms of like, dude, this, like him and Darby, I've always seen them take the most fucked up apron bumps on their back and the fact that this is a coffin match, I it's I don't know who knows, but what if he did the coffin drop into a coffin? That's I'm like you have to do that, right? Like that yeah. makes the most sense. What if he like coffin drops both of them and all three of them are in the coffin? And Sting just like would Sting win by default if that happens? Mm, Sting has to like pull Darby out first. <laughs> I don't. It'll be interesting. You know what? I'm so excited now to see if they bring out one or two coffins yeah. when this match starts because now you've got me thinking, and, and I can't believe I haven't thought about the rules yet. That's what I bring to the table, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Coffin match psychology. <laughs> uh, the, the next match was a trios match. Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi making his AEW return. They take on Bullet Club Gold, Juice and Jay, teaming with Kanosuke Takeshita in a six-man tag match. We talked about this segment this week. Um, just a very weird deal that they had, and Bullet Club now suddenly also with the Don Callis family, it seems like. I don't know, but the match could be really good, though. Uh, it depends. You know, Omega and Takeshita are going to go all out to make this work. 
Paige is a great worker. He's going to do some big things. Juice, one of the best characters in the company. Jay, uh, you know, he's done his best too in there. And Ibushi, Ibushi's a real question mark. Uh, he's had some struggles recently in the the Blood and Gus match and also the Glate match he made event at Sumo Hall. Uh, I wonder how the, he's going to work, but him with Omega should be extra motivated. I think this would be a good match, but I could see, I honestly could see it going either way. I think ultimately though, the elite will get the win here. Uh, you know, juice is there to take a fall if you need, if you need. Yeah. Um, this like the whole mixing of bullet club, golden Don Callis family feels very early AEW. Like, Oh, the Hardy family office now has Butcher yeah. and blade. And, for, you know, as we'll talk with Blackpool Combat Club, it makes sense for the mercenaries to have to hire mercenaries, right? Because these people don't have friends. But, again, Takeshita just feels very out of place. Um, uh, like, on paper, these are three remarkable names, but they have not, like, done anything to make this, uh, to give it heat, if that makes sense. Like, this will, this should definitely deliver in the ring, and I think it will be a great match. Um but I would have much rather preferred, you know, Bullet Club Gold, Jay and Juice are like, we're going to debut our new person here. And I've always thought that we need a Stroke Club in addition to uh, Switchblade Club and Rock Hard Club or whatever. So I wish it was Ricky Starks and Takeshita's place. Um, you know, it's – I think Takeshita, as much as I love him, is just sorely out of place here. And yeah. – which is crazy. Like <laughs> you have um, to hope that this leads. They could easily, let's say, what I said happened. They pin Juice. This could easily lead to Takeshita Omega singles next week at, at All Out. True. Um, I see it, and now I'm forgetting the foresight. Like this is definitely then a match that's going to build. Um, but then it's like, uh, I mean, Jay and Juice. I don't know. Yeah, it's know. so weird. It's, 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 they could have done a lot better uh, formulating this family, quote-unquote, uh, than how they did it. But uh, regardless, I do think the match will be good, though. Um, who do you think will win? Ooh. Honestly, I say Pinobushi. Yeah. I think it makes them – I say keep Bullet Club Gold hot. Then you have Takeshita going in as like the victor over Omega. And I think Abushi, since he's not a total presence, he can take that loss. Um, and again, like as we've seen with Abushi, like he's the guy who has the story like, well, he just returned to wrestling. Is he as sharp as he once was? Whatever. Um, and that's the same thing as like when CM Punk returned. Anytime someone returns, returns from a long term injury like that, it sort of kayfabe makes sense for them to lose. Right. Um, like I was yeah, in Ibushi yeah. and Yujiro and like the G1 a few years back, and I was like, why? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it should be good. Uh, the match coming up though, this is a match I am personally most excited for. Stadium Stampede, Eddie Kingston, Lucha Brothers, and the Best Friends. They take on Com- Blackpool Combat Club, Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler Yuta, and Three people basically just set up like whoever you can find, bring them here, and you you can bring in there. And I don't know. Have you seen? This is what we talked about off the air. Did you see the silhouettes for the match? No. So where can I find them? I, I can look them up right now. That that's a that's a great idea. 
uh, because when you see it, how it, how it looks, uh, just look up BCC Stadium Stampede on Twitter. You'll see you'll see the okay. graphic right away. All right, BCC. Okay, BCC versus Stadium Stampede. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it'll be the first thing you see. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Now, dude, does that one on the right above Yuta not look like Goldberg? <laughs> that would be so insane. It could be Spider Nate Webb. So and that's true. <laughs> and we we have seen that before. And does the one on for Claudio not look like Shota? Yeah, like I don't know why, who, who's over Moxley. Tell me why I just thought um. It's Jack Morris above Claudio Castagnoli. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a break um, from N1. G- 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 coming over. Damn. I don't know. The the haircut above Moxley kind of looks like Drake Younger. Like that short short little shitty haircut. Goldberg I don't know. CCW. Yeah. But also the pose of the bald guy over Yuta. That does look like a Goldberg type pose. So Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Know. It looks like Goldberg to me is all I'm saying. <laughs> the one of them actually almost looks like Walter a little bit to me. Uh, yeah, it's that little, it's a crew cut for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know who has that haircut right now that they would want to to bring in a debut at the end of the day. And it may all be a swerve. These these silhouettes may not be who they are, but it looks like they're sp- very specific. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, I like to me Nick Gage. I hadn't thought about that, but that would be so sick. Um, I'm excited to see how they structure this. Like anytime they do a stadium stampede um, post like cinematic match, you know, especially in a crowd of 80,000, this is going to yeah. be cool. And part of me wonders if it's going to be like, uh, or I guess what was the match? It's like, um, I can't remember what the show was, but I feel like they did this match once, maybe at WrestleMania, but they fought throughout the show. Was it gold dust and like Roddy? Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, because it's it takes place all over. And I feel like this is something you could come back to. Oh, that's a genius idea. Like they right? totally need to do that because Wembley's fucking huge and it's 80,000 people. And, you know, rather than just having 40 minutes of brawling throughout the arena, use it as your sort of transition things like it starts as the show starts and then it just continues. Um but I, I don't know. It's but then I'm like, are they just fighting through the arena and then people are running around the stadium? Uh, I don't. Um, super. This is well. The Blackpool Combat Club, best faction in AEW. I think it's really funny and cool that they're the like probably the biggest badass faction, but they never have partners. Like they always, there's always a massive group that is willing to unite against them. And they simply do not have friends. And I always admire that. And that was probably my favorite part of Blood of Guts was like they lost because they don't have that camaraderie amongst people outside of their group. So true. And they that led to some cool stuff after with Pac mm-hmm. uh, and Tekeshita as well. I just think that this, this match is going to be nuts. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, who would be three guys that would make sense from a story standpoint in the AEW universe that could be with them? Because I think Shota would Brian be insane enough to try to come back this early? Because we had gotten negative reports on his arm, uh, but could that have all been some kind of work just to surprise people? Uh, I don't know. Ooh. That's going to be tough. But I think Umino will be one of them 
the other two, I can kind of see this, and maybe it's just because of the gate over his head. I can kind of see Homicide being the bald guy because it kind of looks like a bandana over his head with the, the gate. Ah, uh, yeah, that could also be cool. Like, I mean, I love Homicide. Again, he's one of those guys where in ring he's not quite there anymore, but it could still, um, like, in terms of. I don't know. It's Stadium Stampede. I'm not expecting like the craziest work rate. So like you yeah. said, people that would make sense above anything else. And it's always cool, you know, when they call in like those deep cuts, like uh, like their affiliates, I guess you could say is, is yeah. interesting. I would what about Hero? Ooh, Hero could be yeah. the hair. Kasai yeah. would be my hope. Honestly. Oh, that would be awesome. Kasai, Desperado, and Shota would kind of be like my big. That would be fucking sick. Or if you did Kasai, Gage, and Shota, oh, now see, my favorite is Deathmatch, so I need to just stop lying my head. <laughs> I think Hero joining would make sense. <laughs> A great long-term friendship with Claudio and Brian, and he works there, so we know he'll be around. If they need him, I think that would be a great thing if they wanted to do that. What, I'll throw a, a, a swerve name at you a little bit here. What about Danny Garcia? Like now that JS is done, you saw Sammy come out, save, kind of branch out on his own, got a huge babyface pop <laughs> saving Jericho. Let Garcia fulfill his destiny in BCC, kind of go back to his his roots pretty much. To, that'll be his step forward. God, I fucking hope so. That would be so sick. Him and Yuta as a team going forward? I yes. Yes. Yeah, see, that's something to think about. He's not on the card. I think he's a guy that's a missing name, very over with the fans. You get get a great reaction from him, too. I, I, that's somebody I'm looking at. That's just a few names I'm throwing out here. Um, I think that the best friends team may end up winning, though, either way, just because Eddie's coming back. They will want to set up some singles matches out of this. I think you'll want to set up something, especially with Claudio, uh, with the Ring of Honor title. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they would want to set that up. But depending on who the three are, if they can get some big names for it, if it's Goldberg is one of them, then I'll predict that they win. <laughs> but other, otherwise, I'll go with the, the best friends team. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Blackpool Combat Club. Just because I want to be a member. <laughs> you should be a member. <laughs> hey, the way you were shooting on Punk earlier, I think you could beat up Punk in a UFC fight. If you fight. <laughs> Dude, I think I think anyone in Nikki Gall's extended family, like nieces, nephews, children, they could all beat up CM Punk. So, well, I do agree, but I'm throwing you into that. Even you're not even thank a you, of the thank family. you, <laughs> out there. So, uh, I will give you your shoot cred for a BCC when they come in. Uh, three more matches on the the card: Osprey and Jericho. We talked about it earlier. Neither one of us are particularly into this. Uh, it's a, probably a dream match for Osprey. He's probably a huge fan of Jericho. <laughs> and Jericho gets to wrestle uh, a young guy who's super talented, which is the thing he loves most <laughs> in, in this world. I'm not super hyped for the match, and I, the buildup was just kind of weird, and Osprey was just kind of thrown in. But it should get a big reaction. What do you think the reaction to Osprey will be in England for him coming in there? Uh, pretty positive. I imagine yeah. like, and again, it's weird that Jericho's coming into this as the baby face. Right. And I, I don't know. I think they maybe just needed a big British star on the show too. Like, because Osprey is not yeah. AEW, but you do not have pack. You do not have hater. Um, and like, I think you need that big hometown star. 
uh, yeah, I imagine Osprey wins. Um, if it is like the Osprey face, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they work the match given the storyline and feud. But because if like Callus is out there and he's fucking with Jericho too, and Osprey's just getting cheered, it's it's going to be one of those bizarre world moments. Yeah, it really is. And coming off the G1, I'm sure he will get a great reaction uh, after his performance versus Naito in the, the semifinals. Mm-hmm. The real world championship match, which <laughs> nobody knows what the hell that means based on this show, but it is the real world title. CM Punk versus Joe. We talked so much about CM Punk. He's probably not going to drop the title here. Yeah, Um Again, like this, this feels to me like setting up MJF and Punk, or I don't know, but you that would be a heck of a way to end this show if Punk came out at the end with with the real world title. Yeah, and it's this is such a dumb thing because this whole title thing has happened so many times in AEW, like, and none of the other people have come back and been like, "I'm the real champion." And again, this just to me is like full on baby mode. This isn't this isn't quote unquote king shit punk. Um, like it's it's just spoiled brat, dude. And Joe's not gonna win. Punk will probably win. Um, I would be happy if Joe won because I don't know why you need Punk to get two wins over Joe right away. Yeah. Um, I think that that kind of just kills your feud. Um, unless again, like, uh, if we you know, I the world title match is next, right? Punk or yeah. Cole and MJF. So. You know, I could see them running back both of these all out. And do I think that's smart? No. But if Joe beats Punk, then Punk fights Joe one last time in Chicago, right? And then you could have MJF and Cole go to a 60-minute time limit, and then you do, you know, your two out of three falls, no time limit at all out. I think if you do that Omega Okada thing here, that could be really fucking special. You know, you have division bread on the pre-show. Um and then after that, you have a 60-minute time limit. So then the story's 30-minute time limit, 60-minute time limit. And now it's like they just got to go all fucking out. I yeah. think that's really cool um, because, yeah, but we'll see. It's it's Chicago. It's punk. So the like, like that's my passionate pro wrestling fan, the likely outcome to me. Punk wins. MJF wins. They run that it um, all out, and they do real world champion versus the AEW world champion. Because I always go back to as well MJF telling Punk, I'm going to give you your most embarrassing and painful loss ever. Yeah. And that felt like it was leading to All Out originally before the whole summer of crunk. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Punk will win. <laughs> the main event, they've kind of they've kind of caught fire a little bit with this colon MJF thing, even though I think a lot of the backstage segments are really bad. I know that they've gotten super over with the crowds, so they may want to do something again, do something in the opening match where Roddy comes out. It looks like he's trying to help Cole, but accidentally screws over MJF. You could do a vignette in the back where Cole bitches out strong and says, like, you stay in the back. Like, don't you dare come out in the main event. And then he comes out anyway. And they both fuck over MJF at the end, and it was revealed that they were in it together. They hug at the end. Uh, I could see Cole doing the heel turn here, which I think would be good. But I do think for like your biggest show, you want to have a, a feel good ending, I would say. Hmm. Uh, and I think MJF is more like babyface over right now. 
Like, uh, you know, despite everything, uh, it felt like he got a ton of emotions behind him uh, with it. The kangaroo kick. Will the kangaroo kick be hit on this show? That's the big question. I think we missed here. <laughs> I, it's fun how they add like the another elusive move. Yeah, you know, yeah. the double clothesline, the kangaroo kick. Um, maybe it gets hit and then shit falls apart afterwards. And it's almost yeah. like Max using the kangaroo kick. How could you? How could you kangaroo kick Max? Um, <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. I still don't really know what the kangaroo kick looks like. Because did he do it already? He did it to a wall. Oh, okay. I missed that. He like jumped up and hit two feet against the wall, and then he landed on his feet. Is it like a drop kick? No, he didn't go up that high. It was like a kick, oh, okay. maybe maybe to the shins, maybe. Ah. Uh, that could fucking hurt. I hopefully they don't. Ozzy opens in trouble. Hard agree. <laughs> that is the one thing that is too extreme for AEW. <laughs> the kangaroo kick to the shins. We can't do that. <laughs> but uh, overall, what's your vibe going into this show? Over a scale of one to ten, where are you at with all in? Um, honestly, right now I'd say like a six. Um, yeah, that's about where I'm at. Typically, and maybe, I mean, maybe I'm just looking through rose-tinted lens, but I feel like AEW has typically been pretty good and consistent with go-home shows. Um, so, you know, hopefully this penultimate week or whatever is sort of getting out the, the bad, and, you know, it'll be fun to see what they do on Dynamite this week, now that we have all of our matches, yeah. um, to see how it all gets kind of built. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping they pique my interest this week. Hopefully they do some really cool, crazy shit for Rampage. I haven't watched Rampage in months, but hopefully they do some cool stuff. And uh, it's it's always exciting, too, to have the collision the night before the pay-per-view. Because um, to me, that it's like a, the old Sunday Night Heat vibe, right? Um, so, yeah, about a six right now. Honestly, if I can go in at a seven, I'll be a happy camper. What about you? I feel exactly the same as you. I think... There's some good matches on paper on this card. I think the show with the arena and the fan base and the 80,000 plus, it's going to feel like a huge deal by the end. But there's nothing that feels overly important to the grand scheme of things, really, outside of perhaps the main event, depending on what they do. Uh, Everything else feels like, you don't want to say filler, but not something fit for the biggest show of the year. It feels more like any other AEW show when this should feel like the biggest show of all time, like anything less than a 10 to me might as well be a zero considering the importance of it. And to me, it's more like a six, like than a 10. So I think that they need to really figure things out heading into the week. And obviously all out being a week later is going to affect that. But I think that they need, need to really get things together to make that show dynamite as hot as it can be to build up to Wembley. They should be everywhere. There should be interviews with people in the media like the elite should be on every show, every podcast. Um, Sheeta should be on every show, every podcast, which she's done a great job of living up to. Uh, everybody should be going out and doing publicity for this. It should feel like a WrestleMania level show. And mm-hmm. I just don't get that vibe going into it, unfortunately. No, and this might be one of those situations, you know, where we don't feel that until the show starts, until that arena energy is there. And I think we will when we get to that point. Yeah. So I'm I'm very, you know, I'm excited overall. We're incredibly spoiled to be at this point in history. We're having two major dynamite pay-per-views back to back in a week. 
Um, yeah. Fuck, I just realized I have to pay for these. Oh, that's yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> that, that's a great point. Yeah, we just realized, too, you're going to have to double dip back-to-back that's, weeks. Fuck. Not good thinking on somebody's part. Oh, man. Okay, it's all in, at least on fight? I think so. Okay, cool. I forgive him for that. So okay. anything other, other than Bleacher Report. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. BR, that's not a good thing at all. Um, ten minutes left. Uh, let's go ahead and run through, rush through WWE stuff real quick before we get on out of here. Cool. Edge coming in uh, with his last match on his contract uh, on, on SmackDown versus Sheamus. Uh, a lot of rumors, a lot of reports going around. What do you think of the idea of Edge joining AEW? I love it. Um, you know, in WWE, I can't think of anything I'd be interested in watching Edge do. Yeah. He came in. He's like, I want to fight a lot of these young guys. Um, the majority are in AEW now. Malachi Black, Keith Lee, all these people. Yeah, FTR. Swerve, whatever. FTR. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Edge is – I mean, his last match is someone he just fought. It's just a WWE guy, which isn't to say – you know, Sheamus has his perks. Um, he's a good wrestler, but it, I want to see Edge do something new. If this is going to be his last run, if he retires now, you know, props to Edge. If he decides to do one last run, to me, Edge and Christian in AEW, that's my dream. Yeah. Right? Um, I would love to see what Edge can do in that environment. Um, just because everything in AEW or WWE with him has been so start and go, I don't think I've ever been able to embrace a, an edge moment or run really like his yeah. Orton feud way too long. His judgment oh, day yeah. feud was the same shit. Like it's almost uh comedic in the rinse repeat of like, uh, you betrayed me. Six months. Match, right. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see what he can do with hopefully some less uh, or more consistent booking. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Edge and Christian coming together is a legit draw, especially for old school fans. But anybody, I think they could do great work together. I think Christian will bring the best out of Edge. <laughs> what will they call him his name? Will he just be Adam Copeland or will he be Edge Cage? Oh, shit. It's ooh. I guess Adam Copeland. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm in a fucking loss for words. <laughs> I, I I like the idea of Edge Cage, though. If this is like the coffin match finish. I have no clue. You've you've perplexed me. <laughs> I've baffled everyone <laughs> with this yeah. uh, this new new idea of mine. Edge Cage <laughs> will come to AEW before before long. <laughs> no no question <laughs> asked. Uh, but Adam Copeland, obviously, <laughs> everyone know him. He'd get a huge pop. Much like he did with with WWE, but I do think fresh ideas, getting to do some different things, I think that would help him a lot. You get a lot of different people, young guys, even old rivals like Jericho, you could do something with. I think there's stu- there's stuff to be had with him in WWE as well. Um, another thing that happened this week, but I, I you know Edge and Sheamus a really good match. Uh, Sheamus is awesome <laughs> in the ring. I really enjoyed that. Another thing that happened this week uh, outside of the shows. Uh, Asuka went on Twitter and had a big rant, uh, basically taking target at Stardom, the Joshi professional wrestling company in Japan, which maybe not so coincidentally was mentioned when EO cashed in her Money in the Bank briefcase. They mentioned her wonder, her World of Stardom uh, title reign there. So she talked about a bunch of stuff that happened a long time ago, <laughs> to be honest, but 
definitely slanted in a way where she was talking about the company. Uh, she was taking fire at media in Japan, stardom itself, uh, you know, being created to destroy her. But they failed. That may not be completely accurate, but it's OK. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's Oscar. She was wilding out on Twitter uh, going in there. Do you think that this will lead to anything with her and especially EO? I think it's the obvious route they could go. Although she did lose on SmackDown this week in the tag match with Charlotte and Bianca. Oh, I heard that was not so great. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I mean, Asuka versus EO is super exciting to me. Like, when Charlotte wants to wrestle, she can be good. Bianca's great. Asuka's great. I think any of them facing EO in singles matches could be fun. Yeah. Um, the, the funniest thing to me about the Asuka was how she basically was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then Amina Shirakawa and Siri, she's like, you're cool. Yeah. I'm literally like, yeah, I only care about Mina and Siri. And then they both responded like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, so Mina, Mina's reply was like, thanks, uh, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Siri was like, thank you for thinking of me. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for mentioning my name. On there. Like, I don't know. I thought that was hilarious, but yeah, or like, Konami though. She got thrown over to the bus. Well, she's her, like Konami's her actual trainee, and oh. she didn't get mentioned at all. It was Shuri yeah. and Mina that she looked at. Poor Konami. I feel like we could yeah. say that pretty often. Yeah, yeah. That's um, story <laughs> career, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, I can't claim to know. I read a little bit about it, but I don't know. I didn't follow Joshi back then. It sounds like she just has a shitload of beef with Rossi and stardom in general. Um, okay, let me about- clarify that real quick. Uh, I will give you the Klistos version of all of this. Okay. So around 2009, Asuka's beef is not with Rossi. Uh, it is with Nanae Takahashi, who they uh. used to be in a faction together called Passion Red. But they had an idea. Uh, I think this is why she mentioned Weekly Pro. She wanted to do a work shoot deal where she was talking bad about Joshi pretty much saying, hey, that we want to wrestle. We should want to wrestle more like the guys. Don't wrestle like the Joshi wrestlers. There's too much sex appeal in Joshi. Forget about all that and get to the real fighting. (laughs) And it was with good intentions by everybody. But the problem is not everybody was clued in on this. And the wrestlers took offense to it, Mm. Um, especially Nanai, who was like a legend from all Japan women's at the time. And they were teams, like they were a team, Passion Red. It all came to a head when there was a match with this girl, uh, wrestler uh, Shushi Batani, who is a friend of Fuka's, who started Stardom as well. And basically, Asuka injured her. Accident. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't, you know, they worked together a lot of times after that. But Nanai had finally had enough and confronted her backstage. And by all intents and purposes, it was a kind of one-sided <laughs> fisticuffs uh, towards Nanae's end um, and Asuka left Passion Red and from that point Nanae was one of the founders of Stardom uh, mm. along with Rossi who everybody knows now and Fuka and Nanae and Fuka both left um, Fuka was also not a big Asuka fan at the time uh, but she's left now she went to Actress Girls and Nanae's like in and out she actually came back to Stardom like last year uh, so still wrestles with them but not an owner she left when the Act Yasukawa thing happened, uh, 2015. Mm. Uh, a big shoot angle, if you want to look that up. Yep, yep, uh, I remember that. Because that was... Oh my god, what, is Yoshiko still on the shelf? 
Yeah, she she's out. Fuck, she's been out dude, for like the last year. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. I need to catch up on Seedling, but sorry. Continue, and she returned please. too. Yeah, she returned too to Stardom for a one-off match against Mayu. Yep, I remember that. That was great. And then uh, was it because you and Nanai are in Stardom too now, right? Yeah, Seven Up is the name of the team. So good. Wow. Okay. So that was way deeper than I thought. That's crazy. Yeah. I, okay. Her like Joshi manifesto. That's interesting. I guess. Yeah. That's what she was saying. What I was saying before about the no, no, she didn't want kids in wrestling. She, she thought there was too much of that going on. Uh, like no sex in wrestling. There's a lot of other stuff, but that's more or less the gist of it. The big things were they wanted, she wanted them to wrestle stiff because she was trained by this guy, Yuki Ishikawa, who is a Ooh. battle arts shooter, like a yep. legit guy. And she wanted to, that to be more like that. But again, that it's not it's not like those were her real feelings. Like she wrestled in Wrestle Newcastle, uh, 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 Wrestle New Classic, which was Tajiri's company. Her and Lynn Byron, uh, rest in peace, Ray, uh, my my favorite Joshi ever. They did a very like sexual feud in there, along with uh, Kana and Arisa Nakajima as well, which were like played off of like a lesbian love over undertone as well. It was really a work shoot that got way misunderstood and everything got way out of hand pretty much and like that's what this whole deal is like this could be titled a book called a series of misunderstandings and now (laughs) those misunderstandings have been brought to america 15 years later with people who don't know any of that stuff that i just said probably hopefully they listen now and know a little bit better uh, pretty much but she's always her gimmick and what she said publicly has always been very anti all Japanese wrestling. She's always said American women's wrestling is way better than Japanese women's wrestling. But I mean, I don't know if that's her true feelings because she's like a true worker through and through at the end of the day. Why she brought that up now doesn't really make a lot of sense. And if you notice, she actually made a post where she was like. She went on that rant and then she was like, well. That all happened a long time ago. I don't know anybody at Stardom anymore, but uh, hopefully everything's going okay uh, with Mina and Shuri. So it's like <laughs> she basically said all of this and then immediately was like, no, I'm not talking about now. I mean like 15 years ago when Nana was there <laughs> pretty much. I don't know why she did that now, but I hope that it leads to something with EO at least. Uh, they could do some really cool stuff with each other playing off of that. Like EO is kind of like the face of stardom even now, like the ultimate legend uh, of, of stardom. And you could do something like that uh, with them. I don't know what Rossi thinks about any of this at all. He's probably just happy that they, they're they mentioning his company on WWE TV probably uh, at this point. But yeah, it was an interesting thing. Hopefully, hopefully all of that was interesting to you, that history lesson, <laughs> Joshi, there. Um, on the show, the, like I said, SmackDown, there really wasn't a lot outside of the Bloodline stuff. Uh, they did the thing last week where Jay quit WWE. I mean, oh, it's Bloodline shit. stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not uh, legit. Uh, but it's a nice little storyline angle. They'll probably all get back to where they need to be. Austin Theory lost the title, uh, the U.S. title, to Rey Mysterio. Uh, they did it in a way where he was going to face Santos Escobar, but Escobar got hurt, so Ray filled in for him and won the title anyway. Uh, very happy to see that. Uh, unfortunately, he's going to get a rematch for it, uh, so we can't get away from Austin, uh, average Austin as much as we may want to at the end of the day. And on Raw, uh, Raw was an interesting show this week, I thought. Uh, they had some big matches. They set up. Uh, they're, they're big at this J.D. McDonough push <laughs> right now with Judgment Day. They're still kind of walking the line on will they break up or will they not, uh, Priest and Finn. 
And JD's kind of a big, you know, spoiler to all this because JD was like, hey, I got something to say from Finn. And they were like, oh, why are you being his message boy? And then Sammy came in. Sammy Zane came in and attacked him and paid him back for an injury last week. They had a, a pretty nifty match. Uh, Sammy and JD, nothing like super spectacular, but a good little match. Um, building up Chad Gable and Gunther, that's going to happen next week on Raw, so that's going to be a great match, uh, what they do. It was him and Vinci together. They're continuing the storyline of Kaiser and Maxine Dupree, which I think is awesome. Uh, Kaiser's great on the mic. He cut a, a really good, like, heel Lothario type of promo uh, tour, which is really good. Uh, they formed a new tag team with McIntyre and Riddle, which I don't want to see, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I wish Drew was doing something else <laughs> besides this. Uh, Ripley beat the hell out of Indy Hartwell uh, in her Raw debut. A great de- debut for Indy. Uh, they're losing in like three minutes. And the big match on the show, the big angle at the end was uh, – well, no, before that, they finally did the Becky and Trish match, which uh, they it was famously caught off of SummerSlam. But they did it here, and it all went to a countout. They ran away from each other. They ran to the backstage, kind of similar to remember the Roderick Strong and Jericho match on AEW? Uh, yes, yes. Just crawling all around the arena. Yeah, they, they did a similar thing with Becky and Trish here. And Trish got the better when Zoe showed up. And Adam Pierce was like, damn it, no matter what match we do, you somehow escape with it. You're like every heel that ever existed. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and they're like, what are you talking about? We gave her the match? Come on, we're done with her now. And they're like, screw that. Uh, next time it's going to be you and Becky in a steel cage. <laughs> Pretty much. And um, the main event angle on Raw was the Judgment Day. After a whole show of them kind of beefing and seeming like they might break up, they all beat the hell out of Cody Rhodes, uh, put him through a table, Everybody stood tall together. I'm sure they're setting up Cody versus Finn or Priest because uh, they remember they got a show coming up too, like a day before or after All Out uh, Payback. So it'll probably be Cody versus Finn or Cody versus Priest there, or maybe some kind of tag if they wanted to do that with Sammy. Uh, maybe JD will be involved somehow. I think it's nice that they're pushing a new guy at least, uh, like giving him something to do. I'm quite I'm skeptical of JD himself uh, as a talent, but I think that it's a nice idea, at least. SmackDown, there wasn't a lot other than uh, Damage Control lost their match and then attacked Bianca afterwards. And there wasn't even a lot of Bloodline stuff. They basically just brought Heyman in for an interview. And he said, uh, basically, Jimmy will be there next week, and that will be when that we get some more answers. So <laughs> he said, he's like, yo, Jay's out to the rumble. We have got to figure out how to extend this shit to mania. So they're with us third inning. <laughs> That's right. Bottom of the third, baby. <laughs> but uh, raw was actually a pretty decent show this, this week. I would say a uh, SmackDown is what it is. And edge versus Sheamus was worth watching. So uh, as yeah. any match with Sheamus is uh, pretty much. And we'll see what they do next week. Gable versus Gunther. I'm very excited about it. And I'm very happy that we got Gable getting a push. So good stuff yeah. there. Lots of important stuff in AEW going on. And Nello, so good to have you here. Talk about all of this craziness going on in the world of wrestling, all of the craziness going on in AEW, and just life itself. So I'm really thankful that you were on the show. Uh, If anybody, if you got anything to say to the people, taking a step back, giving you the floor now. Um, Yes, just uh, follow me on Twitter, at Aniello. I think it's three o's or five o's but um 
I'm starting to make like wrestling mixtapes. <clears throat> I might put them on VHS, try to raise some funds for charity. So check that out. And yeah. I just wanted to do a quick shout out to Drew Parker, who retired this weekend. And I think TNT and um, the UK, one of the all time great deathmatch wrestlers, you know, his body uh, was very different than the traditional deathmatch wrestler in Japan. You know, his frame and everything. He really worked on himself. He came into a character, two time BJW death champion. King of Freedoms champion, top of progress at his time, showed up in DDT, like along with Chris Brooks, who was really someone that um, elevated Japanese wrestling during the pandemic times, especially in BJW and Freedom. So uh, thank you to Drew Parker for everything. Like if you look at careers, his was very short, unfortunately, much like kind of a sick Nick Mondo. Um, shout out to him. So, but he gave us so many things in that time. So, you know, anytime a wrestler retires, just thank you so much to Drew for everything he did for the art, for the sport, for the fans, everything he put his body through. So he will definitely be missed. Shout out to Drew, a guy who came from humble beginnings in the UK, made it all the way to Japan, did a ton of deathmatch stuff and was very well respected as well. Um, so yeah, big shout out to him. It's a shame to see him retire. Hopefully his body's doing okay and he can live a, a very happy life and maybe do some stuff in wrestling here and there, uh, regardless. So a uh, big shout out to him. Follow me at Viva underscore zero. Again, shout out to Ray. We're uh, nearing the uh, the anniversary of her death too on August 30th as well. So a uh, big shout out to her. Uh, shout out to everybody who follows me. Uh, we're going to make a Twitter account for the show too coming up. Uh, now that Nell is here, I feel comfortable about it. Uh, so we'll we'll have more American wrestling takes uh, put on that account as well for everybody. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, check us out on the YouTube. Check us out on the cage match. All the links are there anyway. So lots of fun stuff going on. Five Star Network. Uh, shout out to everybody right now. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Hopefully you guys enjoy the show coming up next week. Big GCW stuff. Big All In stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you guys for listening. And until next time, this has been your Russell Update. <laughs>